This is Your Brain Health with noted neuroscientist Dr. Kristen Willemeyer. Your Brain Health explores strategies to maximize your cognitive functions through life. Here's Dr. Kristen Willemeyer. Welcome to Your Brain Health. I'm Dr. Kristen Willemeyer. With the Centers for Disease Control reporting that suicides are up 25% over the last two decades, and with the recent deaths of iconic fashion designer Kate Spade and celebrated chef and Peabody award-winning travel journalist Anthony Bourdain, the time is now to have an honest dialogue about mental health disorders and the growing public health crisis of suicide. Today, I'm honored to have my friend and colleague, Dr. Stephen Odom, share his insights on this very important topic. Dr. Odom is a distinguished behavioral health care and addiction treatment professional with over 28 years of expertise. He serves as the CEO and, and Chief Clinical Officer of New Vista Behavioral Health, the parent company of the Center for Professional Recovery, Avalon Malibu, Avalon Integrative Wellness, and Simple Recovery. Stephen has a comprehensive educational background in healthcare, holding a bachelor's degree in organizational behavior, master's degrees in experimental and clinical psychology, a doctoral candidacy in clinical psychology, a doctorate with a focus in healthcare administration. Moreover, he's a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of California. Some of his professional experience includes numerous administrative and clinical leadership positions at behavioral health and chemical dependency treatment centers and hospitals in California, such as Hogue Hospital in Newport Beach and El Camino Hospital in the San Francisco Bay Area. Additionally, Stephen conducts individual, couples, and family therapy in private practice setting and served as a university adjunct faculty member in child development and psychology. Stephen is a behavioral health expert, having published peer-reviewed articles on mental health and substance abuse parity, increasing utilization of the electronic medical record in behavioral health, and he's appeared in the 2016 documentary film, California High. He's also been featured on the Today Show. In his executive leadership role, his therapeutic and compassionate approach allows him to lead his clinical teams with a client-centered focus in mind. So good morning, Stephen. It truly is an honor to have you join me today. So may I call you Stephen? Please do. May I call you Kristen? <laughs> you may. So I have so many questions I wish to ask about this very important topic, so I'm going to dive right in. I'd like to begin by sharing with our audience that the data from the National Comorbidity Survey Replication, which is a nationally representative household survey on 9,282 U.S. adults, revealed that 80% of suicide attempters in the U.S. have a prior mental health disorder. Anxiety, mood, impulse control, and substance abuse disorders significantly predict suicide attempts. Furthermore, they found that disorders characterized by severe anxiety and agitation, such as PTSD, and poor impulse control, including substance abuse disorders, predict which suicide ideators go on to make a plan or attempt. Kate Spade's husband gave a statement to the press that she struggled with anxiety and depression, while Anthony Bourdain struggled with substance abuse issues, having tried everything from psychedelics, prescription meds, amphetamines, cocaine, and heroin. 
given that you have 28 years of experience in the field of addiction medicine and behavioral health care, I'm going to ask you a few questions about suicide to help educate our audience on the topic and what to look for. So I'd like to begin by asking, what are the warning signs of suicide? Sure, that's, that's really a good place to start. So when we, when we think about what makes someone seem like they're going to be um, thinking about suicide, um, there's, there's cues that we can look for. Um, some of them are direct verbal cues, some of them are indirect verbal cues, and then there's a lot of nonverbal as well. So I'll start with the direct verbal cues, which sound obvious, but um, when someone says, I wish I were dead, that's, that's not a good sign. If they say, I'm going to end it all, I believe in suicide, um, I like Dr. Kevorkian, um, if such if such and such doesn't happen, I think I'll kill myself. Um, I'm thinking about moving to Oregon. Um, those are those are the kinds of things that should prompt um, some questions and some support. Um, other ways that people say um, suicidal type um, intent, they might they might they might say something like, "I'm so tired of it all. I just can't go on," mm-hmm. or "Here, take this. I won't need it anymore," or how do you become an organ donor? Or my family would be much better off without me. So those are kind of roundabout ways that someone may be thinking about not wanting to be on the planet any, any longer. Um, when it comes to the nonverbal, um, we have a, a set of um, behaviors that we call terminal, terminal behaviors. Um, and those are typically things about, uh, like I just mentioned, giving, giving things away um, putting one's affairs in order, uh, making a will, um, seeming more anxious and agitated, uh, behaving more recklessly, um, sleeping way too much or way too little, um, withdrawing more than usual or uh, expressing feelings of isolation, um, having rage, um, extreme anger, um, anything around revenge, um, and then lots of mood swings. And what's most interesting about those signs is that uh, many of those, if you if you narrowed those down or distilled them, they are the signs of other psychiatric problems too. You know, for example, major depression um, is exactly what most of these things could lead to or can be a part of. So um, many times people who are suicidal are obviously experiencing another psychiatric issue and they get to a place where um, they're beginning to think that there's no other options. I I really I really appreciate you sharing these uh, these things that we need to look for and part of the reason why I wanted to have you come on and speak about this is you know even with people getting treatment for their mental health issues um, you know when you're with a loved one who might say some of those things like they're thinking about um, harming themselves it it can be very difficult for somebody to know what to do, especially if they are currently working with a treatment provider. So do you have any insights that you can give to people um, who lived with a loved one who do see these behaviors and they know they're being treated, but those behaviors are persisting? Well, sure. I I think one of the challenges in, in having someone in your life who thinks about suicide and potentially talks about it and is also seeking mental health treatment is 
just how seriously to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that may sound a little callous, but um, there seems to be some differences between someone who um, is really crying for help um, or sometimes is, it's part of an, uh, an attempt at attention, even if it's negative, because they don't know how to ask for what they need in other ways. Wow. Versus, wow, is this person really serious? Right. Um, so that's really, it's really tough to be a family member sometimes. Um, I don't. I don't pretend to have invented, um, you know, any of these interventions. Uh, there's really great resources around. One of them is called uh, Lifelines, um, which is a, a national suicide hotline. They've come up with um, what they call the the five action steps um, to when working with someone or, or ta- having someone in your life who may be suicidal. You know, the, the very first thing you're supposed to do is ask. You know, um, you, it's okay to ask, are you thinking about suicide? I think there's there's a lot of mythology around uh, suicide because it's such a taboo subject um, that if we ask someone if they're suicidal, that that may make them more likely to want to do that. Right. But in fact, research shows that the opposite is true. The more we talk about suicide, the less likely people are um, to actually attempt the act. So that's important to remember. Mm-hmm. Um you need to listen also. I mean, it's not just asking, but it's listening. And um, ask them how they hurt, what, what's going on that's making it seem so bad. Um, one of the traps I've seen a lot of family members get into, though, or, and friends, too, is um, if someone's feeling suicidal, they may tell you about it, but only with the promise that you'll never tell anybody. Um, and so you need to be careful not to get trapped into keeping their thoughts of suicide a secret. Um, that's that's risky, uh, risky ground for everybody. Um, the second thing you do is you have to keep them safe. Right. You know, um, you have to decide how serious this is. And, and the way to know if it's something as serious is, um, do they have a plan? Do they know exactly what they would do? And do they have the means to do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and we look for things that are more lethal than others. You know, firearms are the most lethal. Medication is extremely lethal. Um, and when those are the, the issues that we're confronted with, then it may be time to to really to get serious help. You know, call 911, um, take them to a hospital, um, because that sounds much more imminent than someone who's having thoughts of, I just wish I wasn't alive. Right. Um, knowing knowing why matters too. I, I think another thing that people forget is, if you're talking to someone and they are feeling suicidal, um, you can think of all the reasons why they should live and all the reasons why they matter to you. But that's not what's important. What's important is what are the reasons they have to live and what's important to them? Because, you know, what you think and what you feel may in some ways make their situation seem more desperate or or hopeless. And um, looking for, you know, what are the things that could keep you going today? What's something that could keep you going for the next hour? Um, and then let's get you back to your therapist, your psychiatrist, or get you to the hospital, whatever that needs to be. Um, we also have to to be there. You know, part of the, the one of the biggest issues around suicide is um, a lack of connection. It's mm-hmm. not feeling like there's anybody in, the, in your life who cares. Um, and so that's that's a real critical factor. And then ultimately, it's it's making sure they connect. You know, mm-hmm. it's not saying it's not having the conversation and then hanging up the phone or, or ending the text. It's making sure that that you've done a handoff to the treatment professional, whether again it's a it's a suicide hotline or it's a therapist or a psychiatrist or it's a hospital. 
And then finally, you have to follow up. You have to make sure that, you know, the things that you guys talked about are actually happening. Right, right. I think you give a lot of wonderful insights. I love the um, communication aspect, not being afraid to talk to somebody about it and openly communicate and not be afraid to take them to their mental health care provider. I mean, even going with them can be helpful because coming from a background of working in psychiatry, when we worked with people with mental health issues, a lot of times we'd have a spouse, friend, or loved one come in because they could help not only to give support, give another perspective. Um, and what do you think about that? Would you encourage that as well? Oh, always. I think, you know, the less alone we are, the better. I think the other piece is that um, collecting information about the entire situation uh, needs other collaborators because sometimes the person in distress uh, isn't telling the whole story or isn't communicating very well at all. And so it might be very valuable to have the missing pieces of information so the, the treatment professionals can help form the treatment plan um, that's going to really address what's going on and, and hopefully the underlying causes too. We will return for part two of our conversation with Dr. Stephen Odom. Please join us. I'm Dr. Kristen Willemeyer. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Your Brain Health with Dr. Kristen Willemeyer. For more information or to contact Dr. Willemeyer, visit drwillemeyer.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-E-U-M-I-E-R.com.